Tonight's breaking news. The struggle is, in fact, real. That's right, Lamont. And forecast looks a little bleak. But we can confirm, sources say, we will get through this. And now, for sports. I'm Lamont, and I believe that we have the power to overcome many circumstances and situations. And I'm Leia. Is it possible for circumstances and situations to overcome me? <laughs> and you're tuning into the, the Lamont and Leia Podcast. Hey, Leia. So, October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Interesting. Yeah. And then I found a couple of other dates that stood out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of them stood out to me. Okay. So, October 10th is Indigenous People's Day. Yeah, it was it also is. another day, but I chose not to include that day. Thank you. Um, October 11th is National Coming Out Day and National Face Your Fears Day. So hmm. if you're ready, if you're safe, if this is your time, come out. And if you're not gay or on the spectrum or there's no need for you to come out, face a fear. All right. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. October 14th. Um, National I Love You Day. So tell the people who matter how much you love them. Oh, that's nice. October 16th is World's Food Day. So that sounds exciting. I don't know what people do on World Food Day, but... If it's not eat, I don't want it. <laughs> I'm not participating. <laughs> um... Then that brings us to October 19th, with which is Day of Unity. Which brings us around to October 20th, Conflict Resolution Day. And finally, October 22nd, Make a Difference Day. And so there's so many ways we can make a difference. Smiling at someone, picking up trash, um, recycling saying kind words to people, we all have the power to make a difference. Oh, October is also um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Wow. Okay. I just remember that. Um, if you are interested in adding any holiday to your thing, you can always Google like national holidays and see what's out there. Um, spice up your life just a little bit. <laughs> celebrate something. <laughs> yeah, there's always something to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Today, we're interviewing fellow podcaster Jeff Sloboda, host of the Bleeding Edge podcast. Today, we get to hear his story about how he ended up living with a disability and ways he continues to overcome in his life. All right, I'm excited to hear the story. Is excited the right word? Yes, excited to hear his story um, and see how he has overcome his differences. Uh, also, I wanna note, before we forget, 
that we are also going to be on his podcast, so make sure you check out the link in our show description to check out our episode. I'm not sure when his is being posted, if it's before or after ours, but there'll be something down in the description. So um, let's go get our guest. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the Lamont and Leia podcast. Thank you very much, Lamont. I'm, I'm, um, I'm very appreciative. Uh, to you and Leah, um, being willing to you know adjust your schedules today and whatnot and everything to be able to you know incorporate me into you know into the show, um, and um, you're a long-term planner, you know what I mean, which I like to be too, and I respect that. But unfortunately, uh, when you do the you know three shows a week at your at our YouTube channel, um, it gets you know stuff gets kind of all over the place sometimes, you know. But um, I'm glad that I'm here. Uh, it's good to see you and Leah again, um, and. Um, I'm uh, as always. I'm. Um, um, I feel very blessed just to have a chance to guest on anybody's show. Right? Would you please take a moment to introduce yourself to the listen, our listener, and our viewer audience? Yes. Um, I'm Jeff Sloboda. Um, I am the um, AKA True Knowledge. I'm the humbled co-host of the MCU's Bleeding Edge YouTube channel and podcast. Um, and of course, we're not just. Um, we don't just we don't just do our live stream discussional you know shows not on that on, on just on YouTube we're on several platforms but um we're um small YouTubers but we're monetized um uh, which is actually the, the last time I talked to Lamont we weren't uh, that's how long it's been um and so we got our monetization um I haven't gotten our first fat check from YouTube yet unfortunately you know I, I guess we gotta work on that right but um you know uh, I'm also the um the silent vice president um, of the soon to be launched um, new entertainment theme network, the Minds Creativity Network, um, that I partnered with my friend Jay, the uh, creator and operator of the ASAP Sports Network. Um, and uh, he put me in the VP position and whatnot. And I basically just been building it. Um, I think we talked about that before, you know, um, I'm laying the groundwork on it and whatnot. And hopefully we're going to be launching it officially soon. We've got a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, but we don't really have all the infrastructure you know, put up yet, but, um, so I got that going on. And, um, I am of course a traumatic brain injury survivor. Um, and I am a, um, a member of the disabled community, if you want to say, um, besides that, I'm also a father of two and, um, I'm a son and, um, you know, to, um, two still married, um, parents and I have a brother and a sister. All right. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you for introducing yourself. Congratulations on your monetized monetization is that a word yeah, yeah. <laughs> now <laughs> very humbling i was very humbled i never awesome. to tell you the truth i mean i never even thought that that was even a possibility for me when i started the youtube channel i never even thought we'd ever get that far so very cool so um yeah can you tell us a little bit more of your story because today the episode is about you and your story and how you've struggled and how you've overcome and still continue to overcome well, the struggle never stops. That's yeah. one thing I point out is that like, um, people need to understand that like how I appear, my disposition, the way I talk and look and whatnot is not typical of like what other TBI survivors live with and like what their life is like. Like, you know what I'm saying? I look perfectly fine. Like I blend right into neurotypical society. I do. And I know that. And I feel blessed and like lucky with that. I do. I don't feel like, you know, um, special. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, you know, Lamont, I've talked about it before. Um, I don't go out and put myself out there and display myself as the disabled content creator or whatever, or make that like my emphasis, you know, that I, you know, that I'm disabled, that 
I'm a TBI survivor. I'm a hero because I saved a black man's life and all that shit. And like, have, that's not my premise. Like, I'm not out there pushing that. Like, you know, I'm seeing when I'm talking to other creators and collaborating and finding guests, they don't find out about that, that kind of thing until if they ever do months later down the road and like conversation, if it comes up, I don't tell anybody. Um, so just if I just want to put it out there and preface that, you know, um, I don't, um, I feel very humbled and very blessed and like very lucky. And I thank God, um, you know, that I ended up where I'm at, but it took a lot of like work and like years and years of recovery you know, um, from stage for stage to stage, you know what I mean? To get to where I'm at, because believe me, I'm telling you, if you were talking to me three or four years ago, you'd be talking to a different person. You know what I mean? Completely. So, um, you know, at that point, long story short, as I was explaining to Lamont earlier, you know, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to try to be as concise as I'd like to unravel what all happened to me, because the whole thing is very, very complicated. There's a lot of details to it. But long story short, I guess the, the, the simplest version I can give is just that I had a first life at one point um, and up until July, and I, in July 2014, and I, did, I had a career, um, you know, um, I, I was on a good trajectory with that, you know what I mean? I made good middle-class money, and um, all I did at that point in my life was I worked, and I took care of my kids. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I didn't go out. I didn't go anywhere. I had one best friend. I had one friend down here, and that was my friend Patrick. Of course, that was the um, the, the black gentleman that unfortunately was, you know, um, attacked that evening in July 2014, you know, at a, a bar we were at, having drinks, after dinner, drinks after dinner um, with his wife and like my date, um, celebrating because I actually had my two first um, job interviews, my first break in my career as a certified water and mold remediation technician, which is a big industry down here in Southwest Florida, to get into project management and actually move up the ladder and whatnot and like really start the fucking like bank, you know, and like get my hands out of the, out of the dirt, get out of the muck and whatnot and actually be able to, you know, be clean every day. And you know what I mean? And do paperwork and shit and, you know, talk on the phone, deal with other, you know, other um, subcontractors and whatnot and get out of the, you know, the grind. Um, so like, it's a big step, obviously, like, you know, I would think it was 31, um, which in my field, then that's a very young age, you know, to um, actually to get to the level that I got to. Uh, which just shows you, you know, I had like a warrior mentality back then as far as work went. But um, bottom line, unfortunately, um, that first part of my life up to 31 years or whatever, I don't talk about anymore. It's almost kind of not even a part of it's almost out in a way I, I don't even never comes up really, because um, I was unfortunately almost literally um, physically beaten to death um, that night. Um, we stopped at that, you know, Linkster's, whatever tap room here in Southwest Florida, Sarasota County, where I live. Um, there just happened to be these, um, I guess, like seven or eight white racists in there. There was one woman and the rest of them were all men. And um, sadly, unfortunately for us, they knew the staff. They were friends with the staff and the security and everything. They were, they were very entrenched at the bar, which we weren't. I'd only been there like this was my second or third time. Um, you know what I mean? And um, basically... Um, you know, at that point, uh, they've been drinking all day. Uh, they admitted that, like, you know, legally that they've been drinking. They were intoxicated to shit when they showed up at the bar. Um, and um, just to give you an idea of how, like, you know, connected they were, they had a child. The youngest one of them that they had, the driver that night of their, the, when they did get pulled over by the police, was 16 years old. He was the son of two of the races, the woman and the father, were, like, a part of the group. And this place has strict security. Every time I've ever been there, they ID everybody. You don't get in without getting carded. Somehow the 16-year-old was on video the entire night 
in the bar. Like he was there for like seven or eight hours. You know what I mean? Like doing whatever he wanted at 16. You know what I mean? So just there you go, right there. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, as far as the connection goes. Long story short, um, I guess, you know, Pat's wife, Stacy, was with us that night. She's white. And um, she left early. We stayed for closing, my date, Pat and I. She took she took off early because of like a family issue, a kid issue. She had to go pick up one of her kids from like a sleepover or something that was sick. And um, they didn't like the white wife. That was like what ignited them or like started the whole beef for them. We were not even cognizant they were there or like that they were watching us or any of that. We didn't know. Bottom line, um, the security physically uh, removed me and Patrick before closing from the establishment for no reason um, and threw us right to the group of races. They were out there waiting for us and, um, you know, um, walked away. And um, I tried to de-escalate the situation as best I could. I didn't want to, I did not want to have a physical confrontation with these people. I wasn't afraid of them um, or anything, but I mean, I had custody of a daughter, you know, and two kids and whatnot in a career. I wasn't, I'm, I don't want to get in trouble. You know, I've already beaten dudes asses before, you know, and whatnot. Um, since I left New York and whatnot, I ended up having to pay for their hospital bills and I've gotten arrested for beating their ass. And they almost, after they robbed me, I've had those situations happen. So I'm very careful about like when I decide to physically engage with a dude, you know what I mean? You know, cause uh, you know, anyways, um, dudes are a lot, a lot less hard, you know, when you leave New York, I've noticed, but, um, either way, um, my de-escalation efforts did not work. Uh, the way that they, they were talking to Patrick and the racial slurs and stuff that they were shouting at him were extremely fucking dehumanizing, like rough to hear. I never heard anything as like disgusting as some of the shit that some of these people said, even to me that they were saying, you know what I mean? Um, and finally, um, you know, when I realized I, I could not get Pat to leave, he was not having it. Um, it was on at that point. I knew that it was going to be, you know, an altercation at that point. Um, when they mobilized and came at Patrick. I just cut them off. I stood my ground to them. I eyed them all down. I said, apologize to my friend. And um, there was like a pause, a moment where, where, where we all just said, things just hung, like nothing happened. Um, and I just, like I said, I just eyed them all down one by one. And at that point, I don't think they really wanted anything to do with me, to be honest with you. It was pretty obvious that I'm pretty crazy at the point that I even like confronted them like that myself to begin with. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't count for the stupid little bastard that came from behind me with the baseball bat. I never saw him. Um, I thought that was all of them that were in front of me. He came right from behind and never even knew. I had no chance to even defend myself. He got, he came so like literally stuck on me so well. It got me with such a good shot with a little bit of baseball bat across the left side of my head to where he legitimately fractured the entire left side of my skull, like the whole side. You know what I'm saying? Like he bashed that, that sucker. And he, um, he caved in partially like part of the left side of my skull. Uh, which you could see if I was like, my head was, you know, if I tripped my head up, my, you know, I shaved my head or whatever. It's all, it's all visually there. Uh, but it's just that my hair comes to them. Um, and uh, besides that, um, I fell to the ground. Obviously I was traumatically brain injured right there. Um, and uh, when I fell to the ground unconscious, the rest of them jumped me and they beat me almost to death. So, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, like uh, I survived, obviously, you know, like I, I should have probably died in that parking lot, but I didn't. I'm a tough son of a bitch. Um, you know, I got up one time and stood up for a minute after what happened to me. I'm like, that's a lot. You know, like the doctors were surprised that when they found out about that, that I actually managed to stand up, you know, at one point. Um, that just, hey, there you go. Like, like I said, I'm no joke. Um, they, they worked me. I'll tell you right now. They did. They really went to work on me for a while. It was very, um, I like to talk about it a lot because what they did to me was extremely like intense. They really beat the shit out of me. Um, but, um, bottom line, um, yeah, you know, I was in a coma. 
I woke up from the coma. At one point, I was going to die. They told my family that I was going to be a vegetable and all that. And a lot of that is very much quid pro quo with TBI. It's 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 a it's a medical you know ish, uh, thing where they don't know what's going on sometimes. They're not sure what you're, where you're going to end up at when you wake up from the coma. Who you're going to be? What you're going to have to work with? They don't know. Um, at that point, as I've explained to you know to um, to Leia and to Omar before in the past, you know we've spoken personally. Uh, I ended up essentially um, spending about four plus years in bed, recovering from the uh, the life-altering injuries I sustained physically and like the trauma that I sustained that night that was extremely deep, um, like very, very heavy and PTSD and whatnot and everything, which of course, you know, that stuff lessens over time. I'm sure you guys have had conversations with other people before that have been through this kind of trauma. It does kind of get a little better over time, you know, thankfully, at least for me anyway. Um, and uh, essentially, um, literally, all I did during those four plus years was go to um, doctor's appointments because at that point, I think I had like 11 or 12 different specialists that I saw on a somewhat regular basis. That's how screwed up I was. And um, I went to TBI survivor support group meetings. That was that was all I did. Oh, other than like, I still had trusted of Isabella for three and a half years. So going to her like school meetings and, you know, her chorus performances, I still did all that, all that stuff. I did the best I could to be a father. I did. Um, even though I was like a shell of a human being at that point, I really was. Um, I had lost all humor and like all positivity whatsoever at that point. I was so flat and stark that I was almost scared to like be around at times. And it was really deep. I mean, I'll tell you right now, um, I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm built the way I am. That I have the disposition I do um, as far as like how optimistic and positive in general, I usually pretty much am about life. I mean, people can tell I am pretty upbeat. Um, you know, and, um, if not for that, my disposition being the way I am, um, I mean, looking at your own children in the eye and having them look at you and being able to tell they, they don't know who you are anymore. You know what I mean? And that they're almost like, maybe not scared, but like hesitant around you. Like they don't know what you're going to say or what you're going to be like that day is really fucked up. It's extremely hard to deal with. I love my children. You know what I mean? So that shit is like, you know, no joke when like you have to experience moments like that. And that's one of the unfortunate aspects of being high functioning like I am is that I'm cognizant of things like that to where other TBI survivors, they don't have the, um, the neuro, the neural function, neural functionality and whatnot and everything in the, the IQ still enough and, you know, to where they're even aware of some of those things, those moments, you know, of, of those, you know, seeing that in their children's eyes or whatever, they're kind of oblivious. Luckily, you know, thank God. A lot of that stuff. I'm not. I'm very aware and always have been. The recovery didn't start until after I got out of the bed. What happened What happened in those four and a half years, almost four and a half years, was literally just a dormant neutral period where I just literally recovered. Like did from the from the the initial medical, you know, you know, issues and whatnot, and like, you know, almost being killed incident and whatnot. Then there was almost like the getting out of the bed stage of the recovery, which is where I really finally, you know put the effort in and whatnot and like you actually like had a plan if that makes sense right mm -hmm. like the physical like just physically right yeah yes yeah. I, I came to a place in my in my i guess development or my in, you know, stage where i was able finally mm -hmm. and there were other factors too like you know moving in here at my parents house it was a step that like honestly was a part of like me getting out of the bed and like being able to focus on my recovery and get into the different therapies I had to get into. Because unfortunately, as I told you guys before, the date that I had that night that we went out and I got hurt turned out to be a, a not so ethical person. And she manipulated me, sadly, when I woke up from the coma and like lied to me and told me that my parents wanted to put me in a mental institution at that point. Wow. 
Yeah, when they literally wanted to put me in the TBI rehabilitation center. That was my my stop, my next step after leaving the hospital, which would have been good for me. That would have started my recovery from jump, right? Mm-hmm. Like I never even would have, would have been in the bed like that at that point. But she lied about me right from jump. At that point, I wouldn't even talk to my parents. So I ended up living with her instead of going to the rehabilitation center. You know what I mean? So in a way, she almost kept me in the bed. You know what I mean? So getting away from her, Isabella came to me and said, I want to go up to, in Ohio with mom and do high school with her. I think she was tired of dealing with like with my crap or anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was really hard on her. It took a toll on her big time. She had to be, she had to see a therapist for a long time. Um, she became very depressed because of like the changes in me. Um, either way, she moved to Ohio. That freed me up to where I could get away from that woman. I felt like I had to be with her for Isabella because I wasn't capable to take care of her. I was aware at that point that she'd been lying to me and whatnot and moved in here. And that was, see, all these different pieces all led me to a point where I could finally progress. But go ahead, I apologize. Yeah, no, okay, so... So as I'm like as I as you're telling your story, I'm kind of visualizing everything. So, um, you got the head injury. You were in the bed for a very long time, and then um, I'm guessing to become able, your brain started making connections again and started forming and healing itself as best as it could, and then you became able again. But by that time, another struggle happened where. Um, this person, I don't know why she did what she did. Maybe she felt needed. Maybe she felt responsible. Maybe there's like just so much. There's probably just so much there, right? You gotta remember at that point, I'm in the civil lawsuit. You know what I'm saying? Like I've gone ahead and sued the bar, the shopping center for data security. That's been going on Good. for a year at that point, yeah. right? <laughs> that, that was going on the whole time. Like, you know what I mean? Eight full years in the civil lawsuit, man. I'll tell you what, um, those civil lawsuits, the litigation is no joke. I do feel like she did help me at times. And like, oh, I'm sure. me, you know what I mean? And whatnot. And I do feel somewhat um, appreciative to that, you know, for that. And I'm, I have a hard time just like throwing people away in life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so at that point, um, I do still, she comes over and walks with me and Dodge sometimes and whatnot. You know, she's kind of a quasi friend, but my whole family and everything and whatnot. And all my friends down here are like, dude, Jeff, don't go near this chick. Like, what are you thinking, man? You know what I'm saying? Like, even my daughter was like, are you serious, dad? You're still messing with that woman? She's crazy. I think the money part probably was like a, a part of it too, because at the end, that was one of the things that she like yelled about and made and incorporated into the last like separation, like getting, you know, getting away from each other deal that came up, you know, mm-hmm. almost like I owed her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I think there were some, I think she, you know, there were some um, unethical, you know, desires there in terms of like benefiting financially off me. Um, I would like to go back to Patrick. Like, what happened yeah. to him? Did he well, get away I mean, that night? Did they beat him up that night? He completely escaped. He did. Um, you know, um, I mean... Was well, he the one that called for help for you? Actually, believe it or not, this, and this is what's insane, is that, um, just, and again, it's, I'm not going to dive deep into it, but um, when the police showed up, the security lied to them and told them it was just a bar fight. They're like, it's unfortunate that the guy hit, guy hit with the bat. You know what I mean? You know, um, but um, it was just a bar fight, just a you know standard bar fight. That's all the cops wrote down. They didn't even do an investigation, you know, at all. There was none. You know what I'm saying? Like that was it. And uh, no, you know who actually called the ambulance for me as I was dying in the parking lot? The date, not the bar, not the cops. If she hadn't called the ambulance for me, I don't know what would have happened. You know. So hey, again, you know what I mean. Uh, but no, Pat walked away completely unscathed. 
Um, you know, um, I mean, uh, I took the brunt of everything basically in one shot, you know, and, um, at that point, um, sadly I saw him maybe two or three times afterwards. And I just was, I was, I mean, at that point I was literally like a shell of a person. Like I was in bad shape. Um, you know, I was, I was walking into walls and falling down and stuff like that, like throughout the course of my day and everything. And that was a normal thing for me. Like at that point, I, I was in speech therapy constantly. I could barely talk. You know, like some of this, my words would make sense. I would, I would, you know, you, I would have to get months wrong and get days wrong all the time and numbers. I, I was pretty rough. And he saw me in that point and like, I don't know, two or three times. And I've never seen him since. That was it. I never talked to him again. Nothing. When did you feel fully recovered? Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing. Um, Fully recovered, I mean, I'll never fully recover. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to understand, um, when we did the mediation in my civil lawsuit, and my attorney presented the opening and explained the depths of like what I live with now medically compared to like what I'm potentially gonna be looking at in my future, it's grim. You know what I'm saying? Like when you sustain the type of damage I took neurologically, and then what was done to my spine and neck degenerately, because I have a degenerative condition, a severe one in my spine and neck, just the torque, from the back hit, the blow of it, the impact, it pushed everything over, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I got all kinds of like um, disc issues and whatnot and everything and built stuff, pressure being off and built up to where like at that point, when he like really laid it out in detail, like the hardcore, I cried. And I've only cried probably maybe maybe once or twice in my entire like second life. Um, I openly weeped during it because it was so fucking stark and depressing to listen to. Like the you know, hey, you know, um, I pray to God that that the worst, the worst, you know, possible, you know, um, futures for me don't happen, and I end up at least you know somewhat okay, so I can just live a you know somewhat you know decent life, you know, until I you know until until you know um you know unfortunately I die of course, <laughs> um, but um at the same time hearing that shit like right out in front of you is like it, it very moving. Um, and at that point, um, look, I'll never recover, really. I mean, I'm living a second life. I'm not the same Jeff that lived before that night. I'm not even that same person, I'm not the same guy. That's why I don't even think about that old life. It's gone. Um, I have no memory of it, really. I can visualize events and things that occur, but I cannot connect with myself, that old self, that Jeff not in my current state, if that makes sense. But basically, at that point, I keep struggling every day, man. You know what I mean? And, you know, even recently, um, I told you before the last time that we were we taught that I was dealing with some insomnia issues, you know, and some some poor appetite that I developed along with it, having to do with the civil lawsuit. Unfortunately, the first set of attorneys that, that I hired quit on me mid mid lawsuit and screwed me over. And um, thank God I found another attorney. I sued them for, for you know, negligence or whatever. And I, I got I got money out of them. Which was helpful, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, bottom line, that event, them dropping the whole case on my lap like that, mm -hmm. scared the shit out of me, man. And like, I was, I, and I wouldn't, I couldn't sleep at night. I was having these, these, like, these thoughts of like meeting up on the street, eventually, right? Without that lawsuit, that that thing ended up just, right? What would happen to me? You know what I mean? It was scary, man. Um, and that that triggered it. That caused me to start to develop insomnia. And unfortunately, like the last three or four months up until about, I don't know, three weeks ago or so, it got really bad. The, the cycle of it got to a point where it was like horrible. My quality of life went to, went to hell. 
I was so I, my productivity level went to zero. And, um, you know, at that point, um, I'm bouncing back. Thank God. I, I finally got stuff back on track. I'm sleeping at night again, regularly, you know, um, great. And, yeah. And it affected me taking some of my medications at night, you know, because I was doing whatever I could at times to stay awake at night. Cause that's how insomnia works. I'm back, you know, on track with all that now. So like my energy's coming back. I'm doing better. Um, you know, but again, when you have a TBI and you have the stuff that I have going on, you're going to be more um, open to further, you know, serious issues down the road. And you're, 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 they're going to be prevalent at that point. You're going to have more problems. And so at that point, yes, um, I, I guess it, well, my, I would put it more as I'm still evolving. I'm still mm-hmm. recovering, right? We all, most TBI survivors are always going to be recovering. Um, and I still feel like I have more growth ahead of me. I do, right? When I'm okay and I'm not and I'm not staying up two or three days at a clip and stuff like that, you know. Um, but um, when I'm okay, I feel like I, st- you know, I do. I I believe I've got more evolution ahead of me. I think I've, I I've, I've got more work to put in. Um, I'm in and out of therapy now. You know, I've done a lot of years of it. You know, sometimes I know when I need it. But other times I, I don't need it. Okay. You overdone at times. You know what I mean? You know. Um, but um, at that point, I mean, um, I say that. I guess to answer your question. I'm a, I'm in work in progress, but um, I'd say that probably when I started content creation, when I started making TikTok videos and Rizzle videos and whatnot, and that, and that got me started uh, down that path um, and became my purpose in life when I didn't have one, which was a big part of and becoming a, a big part of, of my recovery in general, having that, 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 that piece, um, you know, to, to give me a reason, the motivation to get out of bed in the morning. Right. You know, you have to have that. You have to. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, um, if you're dealing with depression or like, you know, or, or, or um, PTSD or, or trauma, you have to have something to motivate you in some, you know, in a positive direction. You have to or else you end up in, you could end up in neutral. Right. Or regress even further. Um, so luckily, I found content creation. And that was probably, I'd say, 2018. Late 2017, early 2018 was when I first started that. So I'd say probably that at that point right then to now, to you know, present day has been the bulk of my real recovery. One of the coolest things about the fact about the MCU's bleeding edge and what my co-cybernetic shark and I have going on is our show has evolved with my recovery. It's been connected the entire time to where my recovery and like my changes and things that, are, that I'm getting back in my life that are coming back to me are affecting the actual shows themselves. They are. So it's yeah. interesting, right? How there's almost mm-hmm. a symbiotic relationship there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? With the content. Um, yeah. And kind of just in a way almost exemplifies why content creation means a lot to me, you know, in certain ways, better than a lot of other creators do. It's more of a personal thing, right? More about friendship. You know what I mean? And like, you know, finding common ground with people and like wanting to find like a reason to have conversations instead of not having them. Yeah. I can say it. I, we've, seen the same thing with our show too and then back when i used to go uh have my own channel yeah like um it really does affect like the type of content you're making and like what you're talking about like i would say confidence especially um has changed at least with our show (laughs) comparatively yeah um so i would say it has like a very big effect um i'm glad that I'm glad to hear that, like, other people find, like, making content 
almost like therapeutic and helps you get through stuff because like I also find that <laughs> to be helpful with things um, especially our show like we talk about a bunch of um, different topics and sometimes I bring them up if it's like something I'm struggling with and I'm like okay cool so now here's here's a an excuse to like talk through all this stuff with someone else <laughs> well see now i'll be honest with you um and again we're all individuals right so we all recover we all evolve some of us that well not everybody evolves unfortunately i think we all know that especially you ladies that are out remember on an online dating site you've met some of the uninvolved uh guys out there <laughs> now they're there the uh the dick dick logic guys that's all i like to call them dick dick logic uh, the ones that's that, a great title. The yeah. ones that think that dick are like the best things in sliced bread. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. That women think yeah. it's a, women love them. I love those guys. Yeah, they don't evolve very very much, but uh, it's all good though. We still love them. Somebody's got to send dick pics, right? <laughs> you know. I mean, somebody's got to do maybe. it. Maybe. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to do it. So you know. Thank God I'm logical enough to realize that I grasp that like my chances of getting laid are going to be better if I don't go that direction. Right. Uh, no, but, um, honestly, um, I, um, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, um, the, for me, I guess the therapeutic aspects would be the friendships, right. The relationships, um, you know, not only because physically, although this isn't just something where I have this problem, a lot of other people, Northern people, especially that I've met down here that are from PA, New Jersey, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Michigan or whatever and whatnot. Other New Yorkers have told me they have a hard time meeting people, making friends down here in Southwest Florida. I've had a hard time with it at times too. Um, maybe it's just this part of Florida. I don't know. Maybe if I lived in a different area or something, I'd have a better time. But I just have, I don't meet that many good people that like are into the same things as me. You know what I mean? And whatnot. And at that point, um, for me, I mean, um, it's funny because like uh, cyber isn't necessarily at the same place, but um, all like a lot of the people with other creators that, and guests that we have, they're like my best friends. Like, I mean, you know, you know, Lamont, I mean, I, I, all these people know me. They all have my number. I have theirs. We all talk on the phone. Some of them just call me and bullshit with me sometimes. You know, that's why I care so much about like long-term collaborations with other creators and like trying to make them make them happen and sticking with them. You know what I mean? Even if I'm like bugging people, like, you know, to let them know like, Hey, I still want to get together. I still want to record. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to forget. You know, I don't, you know, I'm just checking in, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we have other pods and YouTube channels and whatnot that we've, we've worked with back and forth for over a year and we still maintain relationships and get together and whatnot and record and talk and all that. I, I love it. I'm proud of it. I'm humbled by like, you know, being monetized. I'm humbled when I see comments in my comment sections on like the band-made reaction videos and whatnot that thank God I'm finally going to hopefully going to be able to do one after the show and whatnot. And, and you know, since I flubbed our first ones, um, I'm humbled by the, the the comments I get that are so positive and kind to me all whatnot and everything. Like some of them really move me, you yeah. know, and, like, and they inspire me. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of fuel I need sometimes to get me. Yes, I, I get it. I've been like, I don't know, like trying to get people to connect sometimes and share or just connect the content can be real a struggle in itself. And so like, I get a few messages on YouTube every once in a while. I'm just like, oh my gosh, let me answer these people back. Like, I'm so I excited. They're almost like my friends. You know what I mean? Like, I end up sending them like friggin' essay long responses to their comments. They must think I'm crazy or something. You know what I mean? And I am, of course. You know what I mean? But like, you know, but either way, um, I'm sitting there writing my life story and shit in the comment section to this person. You know what I mean? Like, I do it all the time because um, I'm so thankful. 
know what I mean? They're appreciative. You have to understand again, my life was over at one point. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was done. You know what I mean? Like literally. Like my dog Dodge that's right next to me right now, my co-host, my silent co-host Dodge, it's always there. Um, when they got him for me, they got him for me not as a, um, like a, a assistance dog. He was there to be a companion for me because they saw me as my life being over. I would not be having friendships again. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or ever, ever ha- be having normal relationships with people again. Life was over for me at that point. They thought that like my situation in the bed was my normal life at that point. That's where I'd be. So at that one point, like pretty much everybody had given up on me that I'd ever be anything again. So at that point, I know how blessed I am and how lucky I am to even be monetized on YouTube. Like, you know, it is a big humbling thing for me. Even if it is just another step, you know, of, the, of like the unfortunate reality of YouTube where it's like a long time process kind of thing where you got to be patient and dedicated and all that. Um, every little success we have is meaningful to me. I'll take whatever I can get at this point. Um, and I really, really have learned to appreciate a lot of small things in life and whatnot and everything that a lot of other people I know for a fact don't appreciate. And that's okay. I don't blame them, right? They haven't been through what I've been through. But, you know, maybe they wouldn't be able to understand why these, some of these small things like the comment section stuff mean so much to me and are so impactful to me personally. Um, and that's okay. It, you know, my, my, what I've been through is different than what you've been through or what Leia's been through. But at the end of the day, um, I'm a flawed individual, just like I was before what happened to me in my, in my second life. And I'm still flawed. I'm still learning and evolving, but I try my best. And, um, you know, I, um, again, I, um, I personally um, feel like in terms of uh, my story, um, I don't feel like much of a hero for like saving Patrick's life and whatnot and everything. Because I mean, without question, if I hadn't done what I did, um, they would have killed him probably, you know what I'm saying? Like without me, I don't see how he would have physically like walked away from that whole thing, you know, whole at all. You know what I mean? If not, he would have ended up like me, if, if, if not worse, you know what I'm saying? Um, but at the same time though, I wouldn't have blamed another person if in that spot, they decided to not confront that group of racists the way I did. You know what I'm saying? Because honestly, it was not a logical move from a physical standpoint to, to do that. Um, so if somebody chose to not do it, I, I would get it. Um, you know, if, I mean, I mean, seriously, um, but, um, I feel like, um, you know, it's nice to flush this out. I'm glad that you guys give me the opportunity to talk about what happened. All I can honestly say is just that, um, you know, and I'm, you're, I'm welcome to answer any of your questions or whatnot. Um, but basically, you know, um, content creation has become like a big part of my life. Now I'm semi-retired. So for me, like recording and doing the MCU's bleeding edge shows and whatnot and everything, it keeps me, it still, it gives me something to go get out of bed every day for right? It gives, it gives me something to keep me busy. And you need that. You know what I mean? Especially when you're a TBI survivor like me, I've got to stay sharp. You know, I've got to stay active. If I get dormant, I could end up trapped and end up neutral. I've seen other TBI survivors like that where they're, they're stuck. They can't handle the fact that they're living a second life. Just that concept itself has got them to where they can't even move forward. They're still so, so they still so badly want to grasp onto that old self that first life they don't want to lose that part you know they can't they can't get past it it's sad um i've had a lot of people like that and yeah. um yeah it's tough it's you know it's very difficult mentally to have to accept that that concept that your your first life's over yeah um and i think there's something beautiful about realizing 
that you can recreate yourself, you can keep going. Like, if you're struggling with a traumatic brain injury, like, that, that's gonna take a lot. Like, there has to be, like, a strong will there, right? Um, and other things happening with your brain, like, they're making the connections and stuff. Like, there's just a lot in that process. But for anyone, um, when we get shut down in one area of life, we have the ability to keep going, to find a way around that situation or create a new situation for us. We don't necessarily have to be stuck in that situation. We're gonna take a break and when we come back, um, we're gonna like reach out to people struggling. We're going to suggest a couple of ways that they can connect and things that they can do to like overcome their struggle. Well, if you're looking for cheaper frames that look might look more like because I know sometimes if like you're getting frames through your like insurance or if you go into like a eye exam place and you're trying to get like affordable stuff, mm -hmm. sometimes it's not very nice looking. <laughs> um, there is a website called I Buy Direct, as in like I E Y E Buy B Y B Y Direct. And they have like really good price on frames. Like my glasses I used to get, my like circular ones, um, were like under a hundred with rush shipping. Ooh. Yeah, and they have like really nice ones there. I think my computer, oh yeah, my computer glasses are from there too. And computer glasses? Yeah. What? What are computer glasses? Like blue light? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I know blue light affects people differently. I feel like it's really had no effect on me, so I never like looked into getting anything. I I spent a lot of time like well, previously. I spent a lot of time on the computer. Like most of my day was sitting staring at the computer for work and then for leisure as as well. So I got some. They seem to help cuz I get um I get headaches what they look like I like them I don't know like hold on, I'm gonna google it blue light glasses do they actually do anything yeah I guess like I've been like so desensitized to blue light because I always fall asleep like with the tv on or like I can fall asleep looking at a screen like people apparently a lot of people can't do that like the blue light keeps them up <laughs> I'm just like ah. <laughs> Apparently, they don't do anything. Oh, what do you mean? I don't know. I'm just re I'm reading just Google stuff. Let's so like I not even actually reading any of these articles, just the preview. But some of them are like they have no effect, no significant effect on digital eye strain. Um, they don't really do anything. The American Academy of Ophthalmology doesn't endorse or recommend using blue light blocking glasses because there's no scientific evidence that they do anything. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. I'll just wear them anyway. They look cool. My glasses also have like a slight magnification so that I don't have to like squint mm. if I'm sitting staring at the screen for a while. Which is good because like my... 
LASIK doctor told me, he goes, so after X amount of weeks, your eyes will be healed, but be careful because sometimes they don't fully close. And I was like, mm-hmm. excuse me? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, so like the, um, the material that the eye is made of is a, like doesn't have the same type of blood vessels mm-hmm. that like the rest of your body does. So like if you get a cut or something, right, your, your body can heal it because it like recreates um, the skin cells and material and the blood helps scab it over and blah, 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 blah. But like your eyes don't have the same thing. So he goes, sometimes it'll just seal because, you know, over time the body will actually just kind of like mend itself. He goes, but not, that's not the case with everyone. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't completely seal all the way and you run the risk of reopening it if your eyes get too dry or if you wear, um, you know, those like decorative lenses for like Halloween like contact lenses he goes never wear those oh okay because they are literally like suction cup onto your eyeball and like i guess that's a danger so fun fact about my eyeballs okay well he's here i am planning to get contacts again because i like contacts yeah hold on i just i just want to wrap up real quick okay and that was fun eyeball knowledge with lamont and leia um i hope you guys enjoyed that it was an unplanned activity but uh now you know (laughs) sound off in the comments if you guys have lasik (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness there we go that's what we'll do I give pretty good advice to people in general like i'm known for that and i guess the tbi helps because it's made me so black and white um, I've always been, I've always been from New York, born and raised and always been brutally honest to begin with and like really upfront and blunt with people to begin with and just say whatever the hell comes to my mind and don't really think about before I talk. Now I'm just like, there is no gray area with me as a person or as a man or as a, you know, whatever, like there is none. Um, you know, I don't get friend zoned. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not, a, there's no place for that with me. Um, but, um, no, um, but, um, no, uh, as far as people out there and whatnot that are suffering with trauma or been through really deep stuff or whatever and whatnot, or are recovering from, you know, whatever issues or problems they're having, mental health struggles and whatnot and everything. All I can honestly say is just that, um, you know, look like, um, I'm not trying to hold myself out again as above anybody or, or better than anybody. But, um, the, you know, I live with a lot of like really, really deep, like dark stuff. And like, I'm in a lot of pain most of the time, like throughout the course of my days. Like, you know, I don't really experience life without pain. Um, I've just learned to, to get used to it. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, and we're all built way individually in different ways. But um, at the end of the day, um, you have to be willing to be open and honest and be willing to go to therapy and whatnot and, and tell the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell the damn truth. A therapist can't help you if you don't tell them exactly what's really going on with you. You know what I mean? If you lie about, like, what's really troubling you or what's really putting you down or hurting you, you're not going to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and again, I'm blessed to be able to be someone that's, that's fine with being open about everything. I have no problem telling the therapist straight up my dirt or whatever and whatnot, what I'm dealing with. But sadly, um, that's harder for some people. And at the end of the day, I know there's a lot of stigma out there to like be open about, you know, having anxiety disorders and depression and going to therapy and whatnot. But I can tell you right now for me, um, you know, I, I was at, at one point I was going to multiple different types of therapy to like blend back into society. 
you know, um, back before I never even thought I'd ever be a YouTuber or like really, or like a legit content creator. And I can tell you right now, um, those years and years and years I put in, in like regular psychological mental therapy, you know, um, where I, that, again, I got lucky. I had a great therapist that I had a great rapport with and whatnot and could talk to. I felt comfortable with that. You know, first of all, the times I tried therapy in my life, it never did anything for me. But this one is time it did. Um, and if you're open and you're honest, right, and you find the right therapist you connect with, if you don't, it's not you're not going to get anywhere. You know, you won't. Um, but if you do, if you put the work in and you're open and you put the time in, um, you can get you can get better. You know, like you can accomplish things still and whatnot, and, and you know, and move forward. And um, I just wish everybody out there that's struggling, you know, the best. And um, you know, hey, if I'm out here still fighting the good fight and whatnot and shit, then you can too. So. That's a that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, Lamont has talked about that, like making sure, like, wh how do you, how do you say it? you said it so many times, Lamont? Like, really good. There, everyone. What is it? You're like therapies for everyone, but not every therapist is for. What is that thing yes, that you say? Yes. Say it again. <laughs> so I personally believe, and no, not everyone has to agree with me, but I personally agree. I believe. I personally believe that. Um, Therapy is for everyone, but not every therapist is for everyone. So if you're working with a therapist that is not helping you grow, um, who you're not connecting with, because part of therapy is being able to connect, be honest, be transparent. Yes, yes. If you're not being able to do that with your therapist, then it's okay to select a different therapist. Oh, yes, yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Lamont. I don't mean to step on you, but I'm backing you up. Don't even waste your time. If you can tell from jump that you're not gonna, it's not gonna work. Yeah, you know, if you don't connect with your therapist at all, if you don't even feel comfortable being open with them, you've got to find another one. You know what I mean? It's gonna happen. It is what it is. Like, there's no point in going to therapy if you can't talk openly. Yes, you're just gonna waste your time, and you're just gonna be frustrated, and you'll be like, "It's not working." <laughs> yeah, yes. it's not working. Yeah, and, and, you know, <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of us are reluctant. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So you're so you're afraid to like you know get rid of the first therapist or whatever and ask for a different one or whatever whatnot. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or be the asshole, right? You, you know that's that's a reality. Uh, is there anything else that you have done over the past few years that has helped you kind of get to this point in your recovery? I know you mentioned like, um, you know, content creation has been like therapeutic for you. It's kind of like. I've said this in a few episodes, like picking up a hobby, it's really important. Well, and I, like, I actually, through, yeah. throughout my recovery um, and, and, and like my my evolution, I evolved my, my game in the bedroom to a level to where like, I basically play it like the highest level possible now. You know what I mean? Like I'm above porn star status. You know what I'm saying? Like at this point, you know what I mean? Like, and honestly, the crazy thing is, is that here I am, I'm physically disabled. I'm a traumatic rage survivor. I'm so much better in bed now than I ever was before in my first life that it's unbelievable. And um, so whoever would have thought that, right? What a contradiction. And on top of that, um, my disposition now being so black and white and what, everything and whatnot, and being like literally to a place where just the concept or idea of lying to someone or lying to a woman is like something that makes me physically like tangibly like impacted. Like it makes me want to contract inside almost. Like it's, I'm so bothered by even the idea of like not telling the truth. At that point, just luckily, I guess because of the timing of things, me being so fucking authentic like I am and so black and white and like just legit, like straight up, like real and like we'll just tell them and straight up like, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. This is who I am. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, um, you know, at that point, 
it's not a take it or leave it thing. I'm glad to, you know, to communicate with you openly and try to find common ground. But like Sally, if we're hanging out on Friday night or whatever, we're not already like, look, you and I both know that we're going to be doing some private adult stuff probably at some point. Right. And, um, I'm not that dude that's going to make that spontaneous move on you or whatever. I'm not, I'm not down with all that weak game. So at that point, you're going to need to adult up on, you know, ball up with me right now and whatnot and everything. And let's just talk about that shit. And I'm now with my TBI after what happened to me, I don't care anymore. I will just like say that stuff and we'll just talk about it openly. If I don't win, if I get rejected, fine. But again, there is no gray area with me. Like, honestly, all you need with me is one conversation and that's it. It's done. It's a yes or no. Um, you know, and Hey, these days with the way things are with guys, that's, that's what, that's rare. Honesty is on its own is rare. rare. Yeah. I was going to say, honesty is the best policy, they say. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Like, I'm not exciting or flashy or super attractive or whatever and whatnot, you know, but at the end of the day, um, women are so not used to honesty and like, you know, and like guys that actually want to communicate openly about things like sex and whatnot, that at that point, they're like blown away almost. And it's very hard for them to say no to me at that point. If anything, they give me props just for like even having the balls to approach the way I do. So if I had to say, you know, one of the things that like really has been meant a lot to me in the last couple of years, Leah, it's been all the wonderfully awesome kind women that have um, been a part of my uh, my recovery as well. Um, you <laughs> know, um, helped build my self confidence up and whatnot and everything and all that, you know, a little bit and um, been so kind to me and blessed to me. Yes, they've been wonderful. I love women. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for coming on our show and talking with us today. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I apologize um, uh, for, um, again, I, I can be so long-winded sometimes. It's hard for me. I'm not used to talking about this stuff really that much openly. But I want to thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what happened to me. Um, you know, I've enjoyed um, knowing you both since I've known you. You seem like really good people. Uh, that's what I thought from jump, and I still think that now. And again, I'm I'm very I'm very thankful myself to have an opportunity to sit down and record with you guys finally, and I'm glad that we finally made it happen. Yeah. So um, tune in, like Leia was saying earlier. Um, tune in to our episode with Jeff. We'll have that link for you, and we will see you in a few weeks. Today's life lesson is resilience. We are resilient. We face so much. From the time we are born to the time we die, we will have gone through so many different situations and circumstances. Being resilient means we have the power to maintain our core purpose and integrity in the face of dramatically changing circumstances or events. So believe in your, the power of resilience. Believe in you. And that is today's life lesson. This has been the Lamont and Leah podcast. Created by Lamont Damon and Leah Nakahiki. Special thanks to our guest, Jeff Sloboda, for joining us today. This episode was organized by Lamont Damon. This episode was edited by Leia Nakaahiki. Special thanks to Culture Shock for our music. Let us know what you thought of our show or give us some topic suggestions by sending us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. 
Speaking of Facebook and YouTube, did you know you could also watch our show? Links can be found in the show description. Please consider supporting our podcast. Check out our Anchor page for more information. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.